mean, they were clearly on their way out, the Russians, and they just decided to slaughter as many people as they could before they left. Isabel Kershudian is a foreign correspondent for The Post who's been reporting from Ukraine for the last two and a half months. Last week, there was this brief moment of hope as Russian negotiators said that they would pull back from the areas around Kyiv and reduce their attacks on the city. That hasn't exactly panned out. But as Russian forces left this area northwest of Kyiv, Ukrainians and foreign journalists and human rights advocates have been able to come back in. And what they found in the town of Bucha was horrifying, as you're about to hear. So what's been discovered there is... You know, basically a mass grave from photographers and reporters who've uh, been allowed into the city after Russia's forces have kind of pulled out people who were just shot while they were biking, people whose hands were tied and shot that way. There's mass graves um, that have been uncovered. Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, called it genocide. President Just killing people for the sake of killing people. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Martine Powers. It's Monday, April 4th. Today, the evidence of atrocities in Bucha and what they tell us about the war in Ukraine. Isabel, as you pointed out, this appears to have happened as the Russian military was withdrawing from this area. And this is coming at this moment of optimism, right? That there are talks between Russia and Ukraine with the thought that perhaps there could be a conclusion to this conflict at some point soon. Russia made a lot of promises about uh, starting to scale down what they were, how they were attacking Ukrainians. And so in some ways, what's being discovered here in Bucha is completely at odds with what Russia is saying about that they are starting to leave Ukrainians in some cities alone. Yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty typical of Russia, right? I mean, the months leading up to the war, they kept saying they weren't going to attack Ukraine and then they attacked Ukraine. They've proven over and over again that you can't take anything they say seriously. I don't know if this is really even a pullback of their operation in the north and trying to take Kiev. They could just be regrouping and then trying again. And some of those bodies, you know, as I said, were shot on the way out, but a lot of them it had been accumulated killings, you know, those mass graves and things of that sort, and especially kind of the, you know, signs of torture that we saw. And has Russia officially responded to this, these reports of mass graves, of torture, of execution of civilians? Yeah, they've said it's fake. And what do you make of that? I mean, they, it's just so you know, insane. But, you know, even when the Mariupol maternity ward bombing happened, the maternity hospital. You know, they said that was fake, too, that those were like crisis actors or something. But, you know, in that situation, there was only two international journalists on the ground. You know, I think everybody believed those guys uh, from the Associated Press. But I mean, it's there's fewer kind of there's less evidence in that situation. Right. 
Here, I mean, every single international media outlet has been allowed into Bucha to document these crimes and to say that, you know, every single one of them is lying and that's fake. I mean, I they just really (laughs) couldn't come up with anything better. So I think one thing that we've seen so far during this war is that there has been so much international focus on larger cities around Ukraine, like Kiev and Kharkiv. But what is what we've learned about Bucha tell us about Russia's larger military operation um, and what we might expect to see in other cities like Bucha in Ukraine? Yeah, I mean, I think they're able to really occupy a lot of these, you know, smaller towns and villages, whereas they haven't really had a lot of success taking big cities, um, or at least in the big cities, they're still outnumbered, right? So even, you know, I've done some reporting kind of on the outskirts of Mykolaiv where some small villages were taken and people there were under occupation for, you know, about a week to 10 days. And the stories they told were, you know, pretty crazy that Russians stole their cars, that they shot out their car windows, that they killed their chickens for food. And then, you know, we meet one woman whose husband had the most pro-Ukrainian viewpoints in town. And, you know, they took him with them. And then uh, she looked for him. The next time she saw him, um, he was still in their custody, I guess, uh, but had been beaten and had been shot through the arm. But they wouldn't let him go home with her. And then the next time, you know, she saw him, the Russians had left town. She looked everywhere for him. She couldn't find him. And eventually some neighbors found his body buried. Um, multiple gunshot wounds, um, limbs broken. Again, he had been tortured before they just killed him and, you know, threw some dirt over him. As more places either um, come out from under occupation I mean, I think we're going to be hearing more and more stories like this. I don't think Bucha is an isolated incident at all. I think there are horrors that are happening that we just don't know about because we can't get to certain places. I mean, Mariupol is one of those two. I think there's places kind of in the east that are just under really, really heavy bombardment. Hmm. I mean, I think we're just going to have we're going to be hearing a lot more accounts similar to this where Russians kind of set up shop for a while, there were a lot of crimes committed that are truly atrocious. After the break, how the reports from Bucha have led to calls for an investigation into war crimes from the U.S. and from the United Nations. Here is U.N. spokesperson Liz Thrissell. The images of civilians lying dead on the streets and in improvised graves in the town of Bucha in Ukraine are horrifying. Reports emerging from this and other areas raise serious and disturbing questions about possible war crimes, grave breaches of international humanitarian law, and serious violations of international human rights law. We'll be right back. So, Isabel, when we talk about these mass graves in Bucha, some people are calling it a war crime. President Zelensky even called it a genocide. Why do these terms matter? Like, why does it matter if it's a war crime or a genocide? Well, there's a lot of reasons it matters. But, you know, the one that struck me was after Bucha especially, and I think it was already trending this way. I mean, Russia's going to go down 
you know, in history for this, kind of in the way we talk about Nazi Germany, they committed these horrors. Um, they have this Z symbol that they put, you know, over their tanks that almost kind of now has this feel of like a swastika. I think it matters for history. Um, but for the now, I mean, Ukraine is appealing for stronger sanctions still for more military aid. I think showing these crimes and that this is a war that is unprovoked, uh, but is just killing, you know, civilians in horrible, horrible ways um, helps Ukraine's case when it says we need more weapons, we need better, you know, air defense systems, um, more fighter jets, I mean, things of that sort. And then obviously they're already in the process of documenting all of this for war crimes cases that will, you know, one day go to The Hague. And what kind of response have we seen from the international community so far? I think there's already talk of kind of a stronger sanctions response. I know Lithuania has kicked out Russian diplomats um, or downgraded its kind of diplomatic relations with Russia, you know, saying that it can't possibly have them with a country that would commit atrocities like the ones in Bucha. Russia was already so, so isolated in the aftermath of this war. And I think that's only going to get worse is that, you know, international stain on Russia is so strong that countries who are still like somewhat flirting around dialogue and things of that is just going to become untenable. I mean, it's really just creating kind of a pariah state, I would think. And what have we heard from the U.S. so far in response to what we've seen in Bucha? President Biden has, you know, weighed in that... You may remember I got criticized for calling Putin a war criminal. Well, the truth of the matter, you saw what happened in Bucha. This warrants him, he is a war criminal. That's not the first time he's called Putin a war criminal, but I think certainly it has more weight now. You know, has said that there should be more evidence gathered for a war crimes trial, which I think that effort is really underway in um, Ukraine. Uh, and that he's seeking more sanctions, which I think Ukrainians will, you know, really welcome. That's something they've been pushing for. So I think the kind of consequences of this are going to be potentially pretty immediate where, you know, U.S. and other countries will come up with a response pretty quickly that's even stronger than the one they've had. How do you think the reports of these mass graves in Bucha and the torture and executions that have happened there, how do you think that's affected the psyche of Ukrainians who are still there? What I've seen from Ukrainians as the war, you know, has progressed from day one to today's day 40, um, is they've gotten angrier. I mean, I think that's the pervading thing I see now is people are really, really angry and their own kind of hate is building that, you know, if people went from saying like, this is Putin's war to now they say every Russian should be held responsible for this. I mean, I think everybody in Ukraine now knows someone who's been directly impacted by this war, you know, in a negative way, whether it's, you know, having to leave your home, whether it's, you know, a husband who's had to kind of, you know, take his wife and kid to the border and whose homes have literally been destroyed or people who know others who've been killed. I mean, it's 
the ripple effects of this, you know, for ordinary Ukrainians are horrible. They were living well. And before Putin said he wanted them to live better and they don't understand it. And now, you know, their lives are turned upside down. And the longer this goes, that's the pervading emotion. It's not even sadness anymore. It's just pure hatred and anger. Isabel Kershudian is a foreign correspondent for The Post. This story was produced by Alexis Diao with help from Julie Deppenbrock. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was mixed by Sean Carter and edited by Maggie Penman. And special thanks to Kevin Sullivan. I'm Martine Powers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. <laughs> 